ladies and gentlemen, you know, this is professional clout chaser um, Christian Paul from the Bob Chronicles coming at you once again, discussing one of the three health crazies that we have been dealing with all throughout society and all throughout life. The first one, uh, the first health crazy that we will be talking about in this episode, and obviously this is the easiest one, is obesity. Um, the first one we're basically going to deal with is basically obesity, because, you know, obviously that's the easiest one, you know, don't worry about, like, the runoff with the memory. Um, so, uh, with that being said, as I have stated earlier, um, I worked in my dad's private practice for a very long time, um, dealing with various patients, uh, mainly dealing with chronic kidney disease of all shapes and sizes, right? So, weight weight does deceive. I, 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 I can definitely say that it can deceive a bit, even if you may look in shape, does not mean you could be fully healthy as well, right? So, yes, it does deceive in that aspect. Um, the human body is way, way, way more complex than we all think, right? And this is someone having experience working in a private practice, working for a doctor. You know what I'm saying? So let's get that out the way right now, all right? You know, the BMI chart that, like, a lot of doctors use that many doctors use, you know, it, it's very skewed as um, a mathematician and a statistician that actually study mathematics, you know, the BMI chart is purely skewed due to the fact that it can discount on people that actively work out and do a bunch of strength resistance training on the daily. And the way that they earn could be muscle instead of fat. Right. It could it could deceive them um, in, 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 in that regard. Right. So I want to try and literally put that out there. Now, um, with that being said, um, with regards to obesity, I found some actual articles um, from the National Institute of Health and the World Health Organization that definitely talk about um, obesity and the comorbidities that come along with it, you know, especially when we're dealing with the COVID pandemic over the last um, couple of years. And we will definitely be talking about fat phobia, fat phobism, if you know what I mean. That even the NIH discussed um, in regards to what went down. So I have um, an, uh, basically an extracted article um, that came from the National Library of Medicine from the National Institute of Health in regards to obesity and its comorbid conditions, um, where the extract basically reads that obese patients are at an increased risk for developing many medical problems including insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes mellitus, hypertension, dyslipidemia, cardiovascular disease, stroke, sleep apnea, gallbladder disease, hyperuricemia and gout, and osteoarthritis. Certain cancers are also associated with obesity, including colorectal, colon, and prostate cancer in men and endometrial breast and gallbladder cancer in women one through six excess body weight is also associated with substantial increases in mortality from all causes in particular cardiovascular disease more than five percent of the national health expenditure in the united states is directed at medical costs associated with obesity um they quote seven in addition certain psychological problems including binge eating disorder and depression are more in common among obese persons than they are in the general population. 
Finally, obese individuals may suffer from social stigmatization and discrimination, and severely obese people may experience greater risk of impaired psychosocial and physical functioning, causing a negative impact on their quality of life. All right? So I click on the article and see what it got over here. This want to make sure I let let it be and try to let this guy load for a bit. One moment. Oh, they had a little fun out here, and I look at all these other articles here that they have. Give me one second, y'all. No computers, basically being a pain in the butt. You know, yeah, yeah. When we talking about with obesity, like while this thing loads, right? Um, basically the odds of you actually reaching disease and depression when it comes to obese versus any other health crazy is higher than you were toward the other two. All right. So they're basically summarizing, um, on that aspect. Just give us one moment. All right. Now that we dealt with the situation at hand, we look at, um, the world health organization in regards to world obesity day, 2022, accelerating action to stop obesity and you know from what who says um i'm quoting from um, that's published on march 4th 2022 um who.int uh, world obesity day in 2022 it says more than 1 billion people worldwide are obese 650 million adults 340 million adolescents and 39 million children this number is still increasing. WHO estimates that by 2025, approximately 167 million people, adults and children, will become less healthy because they are overweight or obese. On the occasion of World Obesity Day 2022, WHO is urging countries to do more to reverse this predictable and preventable health crisis obesity is a disease impacting most body systems it affects the heart liver kidneys joints and reproductive systems it leads to a range of non-communicable diseases and cds short such as type 2 diabetes cardiovascular disease hypertension and stroke various forms of cancer as well as mental health issues People with obesity are also three times more likely to be hospitalized for COVID-19. Coronavirus, basically. The key to preventing obesity is to act early, ideally even before a baby is conceived. Good nutrition in pregnancy, followed by exclusive breastfeeding until the age of six months, and continued breastfeeding until two years and beyond, is best for all infants and young children. At the same time, Countries need to work together to create a better food environment so that everyone can access and afford a healthy diet. Effective steps include restricting the marketing to children of food and drinks high in fats, sugar and salt, taxing sugary drinks, and providing better access to affordable, healthy food. Cities and towns need to make space for safe walking, cycling, and recreation, and schools need to help households see children healthy habits from early on. WHO is responding to the global obesity crisis on many fronts. This includes monitoring global trends and prevalence, 
the development of a broad range of guidance addressing the prevention and treatment of overweight and obesity, and providing implementation support and guidance for countries. Following the request from member states, the WHO Secretariat is developing an acceleration action plan to stop obesity, tackle the epidemic in high-burdening countries, and catalyze global action. The plan will be discussed at the 76th World Health Assembly to be held in May 2022. So, um, this is coming from the WHO itself, and we already know that um, obesity right now is currently a pandemic in regards to COVID, especially in America, where we know we have like a lot of fast food sites going on all over the country right now, especially up in these rural areas, especially up in the hood. You know what I'm saying? They basically out there literally everywhere. All, all the type of crazy oils and fats, you know, that gets people hooked so they can try and make some extra money. It's just beyond insane. There's so much, there's literally so much fucking um, subsection I really want to cover when it comes to this. But before I move forward in this episode here, I want to take a moment to remind you guys um, of something that is very serious and very key that needs you to join your brains. All right. You definitely cannot change the color of your skin. You definitely can't change, you know, the organs that are inside your body. That's definitely impossible to do, right? Even though you may want to try and switch to a different gender, or whether or not that's like preferable to you, or like deep down in your heart, like that could be the case. But you cannot change the internal organs that you have in your body. You can't reverse any learning disability that you have developed in you. That can't be done. You can't change those things, um, you know. You can't change the disabilities that you have. You can't change the like, like how like development is learned, the whole nine yards when it comes to these things. Those things are out of your control, clearly. But you can damn well change your fucking weight. I guarantee you that. You can damn well change the way you look. You can damn well change um, the way you weigh, how you weigh yourself. You can damn well change the weight that you have, right? The more you eat without even knowing, without exercising, obviously the more you're going to gain weight. Whereas, like, the more excess that you do, the more you put yourself in motion while probably eating, like, less calories to be on a caloric deficit. You know, picking what foods to get, you're going to be definitely losing weight over time without even knowing it. That I promise you. Be on the lookout for all the key subtitles in the future episodes. It's going to be a crazy one, and a lot of people going to be real pissed off without me even knowing it. Tell you that. So, ladies and gentlemen, I found this article from Parade, um, written by Miss um, Stephanie Olivier Nguyen, um, basically titling "Take Personal Action Against Fat Phobia." Fat phobia. With these seventy-four ideas, and uh, kudos to her in regards to this article. I was trying to browse um, and basically see what it's about, and she basically says, um, <clears throat> "I'm going to Steph here." In an increasingly quote woke world. It seems like fat shaming is the last socially acceptable form of discrimination. Uh, Unlike race, religion, or gender identity, body size is fair game for exclusion from hiring. It is considered socially acceptable to be disgusted or repelled by fat people. In many ways, fat phobia is the last presently accepted prejudice 
This hatred is woven deep into our culture, and the damage isn't learned to overweight and obese people. However, the sad truth is that, like so many prejudices, fat phobia is insidious and woven into the very foundation of our society. <coughs> Excuse me. Allergies. <clears throat> so, she says, what is fat phobia? At its most basic, fat phobia is a fear of fatness. It refers to discrimination, bias, and negative stereotypes aimed at fat people and their bodies. Also called weight stigma, the term fat phobia also refers to the many beliefs, behaviors, and attitudes surrounding anti-fatness culture facing people of higher weight. Fat phobic behavior can be overtly mean, such as public fat shaming tweets or anti-fat statements from comedians and public figures, or much more subtle friends and family offering unsolicited weight loss advice. The following ideas are a call to action to those for those looking to truly dismantle fat phobia and fat shaming in their own lives and work towards making the world a more accepting place for people of size. Confronting this ugliness head-on can help us accept ourselves more lovingly, along with strangers and loved ones alike. As someone who has been obese for most of our adult life, this offer is here to tell you that one kind person can make a world of difference. Be the change, start with these simple steps. Now, see, he has a list right there saying how to fight fat phobia and fat shaming. So here's her 74 list that um, Stephanie has put down. Um, she says, number one, don't fear the word fat, it's not a slur. Um, number two, don't use the word fast a slur, obviously. Number three, don't li number three, listen to your fat friends when they share a lived experience. Respect their preferences regarding how they self-describe curvy, puff size, fluffy, or fat, among others. Number four, accept that if you are a normal weight, you have thin privilege. I don't even know what the heck that is. But um continuing number five, according to her, amplify the voices of fat people. We treat fat activists and share informative think piece on your social media channels. Number six, understand fat does not equal inherently unhealthy. Number seven, know that there are fat people who exercise regularly. Fat does not equal lazy. Number eight, there are plenty of sexy fat people in the world. Number nine, despite the three facts above, understand that the world is a hard place for people of size. Number 10, if you're a medical professional, examine the ample literature concerning the healthcare gap for fat people. Examine your biases and don't be too proud to admit your form of negative attitude. Number 11, if you're a friend of someone who's overweight, as they need an advocate at the office office. Number 12, convince your overweight friends to see preventive healthcare. Many don't. Number 13, examine your own attitude. What assumptions do you make automatically when you see a fat person, beast, a person in a wheelchair, a scooter? What do these images make you feel? Number 14, go clothes shopping when you have your loved one and be empathetic to the lack of fast and affordable plus size clothing. You can generally have one, but not both. Number 15, support retail security exercising clothes, especially if they don't charge more for the same item in plus first rate sizing. Number 16, understand that not all clothing works for people of size. Number 17, support your friend or loved one in choosing clothes that make them look and feel great. Number 18, don't couch fat phobia in, quote, health concerns. We see right through it. Plus, studies show that weight stigma is actually driving the obesity epidemic. So thinly veiled comments don't really help. Number 19, don't share fat diets or MLM weight loss products with your overweight obese friends. If they want to lose weight, they don't need snake oil. True. Number 20, don't complain how fat you are. It hurts our feelings. Number 21, while we're at it, this. You'll be so pretty handsome if you lose weight. 
Number 22, the same goes for backhanded comments when they say, oh yeah, such a pretty face. We know what's going on said. Number 23, take a look at the world and see that it's not made for fat people. Hey, you know what I mean? Number 24, if you're out for dinner with an overweight loved one, don't request a booth. That moment of wondering if one is going to fit, yeah, it sucks. Number 25, don't judge when a fat person eats if it happens not to be a salad. You are not their doctor and you don't know what else they ate today. Number 26, understand that size is spectrum if you are a small fat person. People larger than you always get judged more harshly and face more tremendous obstacles. Read up on healthy every size. Number 27, don't carefully offer to become gym buddies. We a fat loved one, the gym is a frequent side of shame and bullying for people the size. They may prefer to work out in the comfort of home, walk around the block, or swim in a community pool. Number 28, understand that a fat person faces more barriers to exercising, not the least of which is finding comfortable and supportive, plus size workout cloning forget affordable and never happens. Number 29, please don't laugh when you see an overweight person exercising. Your attitude is one of main that can force them back on the couch. Number 30, don't assume the fat person is weak or unfit. Number 31, seriously reconsider the concept of the BMI chart. True, the BMI measure doesn't account for muscle mass, bone structure, gender, and or race differences. It's time to throw it out as a diagnostic tool. I agree with Stephanie on that one. Number 32, okay, so maybe a particular fat person is unhealthy. So what? Number 33, understand that fat phobia and ableism are intricately entwined. Number 34, stop acquainting health with self-worth. People are unhealthy for whatever reason, including obesity, still deserve to enjoy life, have companionship, and access appropriate health care. Number 35, similarity, understand that fat phobia and racism have an attitude and section. POC of size. I really do hate that term. On a side note, the POC, people of color, is color in every race. But continuing, um, continuing with 70 said, especially black women are often at the receiving end of ugly, outdated, and generally disgusting stereotypes and assumptions. Number 36, understand that fat phobia is rampant in the workplace. Number 37, understand that there's a pay gap against fat people who are often perceived as lazier or less capable than any normal co-workers. Number 38, if you're an employer, carefully examine your biases when a fat person comes for an interview. Do you view them as a candidate equal to someone else? Fight fat phobia by ensuring fair wages and fair hiring practices. Number 39, statistically fat people make a lot less money than their co-workers in equal positions. Be open with overweight co-workers if they ask your salary to help create a more equitable workplace. Number 40, in the workplace, examine how accommodating the space is for fat people. Do all the tiers have arms? Does celebratory swag match that size excel? <laughs> Number 41, the quote-unquote body positivity movement may seem wholesome, but it can be insidious at the core. Number 42, while skinny shaming can also be a thing, quote-unquote, it's not equivalent to the experience of fat shaming. Since being then also carries certain privileges that people excess weight don't have access to. Number 43, don't buy in the mainstream pictures of beauty. Fat people are not the enemy. The beauty industry has profited off of consumers' insecurities, primarily those of women, for decades. Side note, women contribute um, the majority of the consumer debt. Understandable. Um, 70s 44th, she says the same goes for the diet industry. Industry leaders know that weight loss scams like pills, creams, powders, and quote-unquote supplements don't work, but they do make a lot of money. Don't fall for it. Number 45. If you yourself are on a weight loss journey, great. Please reconsider posting before and after pictures of or share thin spo on social media because doing so can make a lot of people feel bad. Number 46. Let's talk about weight loss surgery or WLS. 
The nucleus for many fat people is also embroiled in controversy. It could be a great tool, but please help your fat loved one go into it if they so choose with eyes wide open. Agreed. Number 47. Contrary to popular belief, WLS is not an easy way out. The process of getting approved for such a procedure can take years of heartache with no guarantee of results. Don't sell to your loved one I saw of a magic bullet. Number 48. Don't assume that everyone is trying to lose weight. Agreed. Number 49. Stop couching food in terms like cheating, bad for my diet, or naughty. Food does intrinsically possess those vibes. We assign them. Number 50. When a man relates it, don't expect a fat person to be great because you deem them worthy of your love or your sexual attention. Number 51. Understand that fat people have sex and even enjoy it. Agreed. Number 52. Don't put pressure on your partner to lose weight. Feel free to leave if you aren't attracted to them. That's your right. Agreed. But don't make skinniness a condition of your love. Number 53. Don't fat shame even people you don't like or know like politicians and celebrities. Number 54. Understand that the world is not only unaccepting but actual. Number five, plain seats, roller coasters, wing room chairs, and plenty of everyday furniture pieces were just not made for fat people. Hey, in many cases, that's true. Fear of not fitting, fear of breaking, fear of adjusting, pain, both physical and mental, hides in plain sight. Know that. Number 56, if you're seeing next to a fat person on a plane, don't be mad at them. Be mad at airlines. Number 57, on that note, do party and muscle labor for fat people you know and love. Ask management at work for accessible seats. Ask retailers on social media why they stop sizing a double XL. Call out that restaurant server with a lousy attitude, be an ally. Number 58, consider on following comedians relying on fat jokes. Number 59, don't give money to movie makers who utilize sight gags or script lines to ingrain fat people for your wallet. Number 60, take aim at writers who use fat as a shorthand for evil when it comes to antagonists. Kingpin, Ursula Seawitz, Professor Umbridge, anyone? Number 61, Give your financial support to fat creators on crowdfunding sites like Patreon. Number 62, read books on fat liberation and fat acceptance. Number 63, on everyone to be fat. Uh, we don't care what size you are. And that's the beauty of it. We just want acceptance for all. Number 64, patronize brands that celebrate inclusiveness. Number 65, don't queue over celebs like Adele or Rebel Wilson for looking so much better now that they've lost a ton of weight. Celebrate that they hit their personal goals, but examine your mindset and how you talk about their weight loss journey. Number 66, if you yourself have been fat at some point in your life and have successfully lost weight, you're at high risk of projecting old self-facing hatred and scoring at the overweight and obese. Avoid, I did it, so why can't they? Oh my, I disagree with that one right there, but I'll, I'll continue in like the next um, section. Number 67, stop viewing someone's body size as a moral failing. Number 68, understand that laziness is not always or even usually the cause of obesity. Many uncontrollable fats can make it much harder for people to lose weight, including medical problems, medication, even heredity. Could be true. Number 69, if you're a parent, a fun on any other caregiver to children, watch the way you talk about other people's bodies. Children pick up on the attitudes of the... Do your part to squash fat phobia in the next generation. Number 70, find unique ways to celebrate all the people in your life, fat or thin, in a way that has nothing to do with physical appearance. Number 71. Refrain from commenting on an acquaintance's weight loss. You don't know it was intentional or wanted. Number 72. Speak up when you see instances of fat fat behavior in your environment. Number 73. Let your fat lungs know explicitly that you love them unconditionally and independent or shape or size. Number 74. Look in the mirror, examine your attitude towards your own body, accepting yourself as you are will make you more disposed towards accepting others. Everyone shows the damage that fat for does to self-confidence and have you like. Hold those in your life to a higher standard in how they talk about weight, self-love, and dieting. And this way it can be an ally to people living in shame and 
fear and the article now i do agree with some of what she said but i disagree with some things that stephanie has said but i'm gonna go to the next session so that we can try to dig a little bit deeper here all right you know what i say again right you can never ever change the color of your skin you can never ever change the organs that are inside you you can't change your learning disability at all but you can damn well change your weight weight can always fluctuate day to day always remember that Ladies and gentlemen, um, I want to um, focus on an excerpt from an article that was uh, published by two professors, um, basically um, one coming from uh, Melbourne, Australia, the other coming from New Zealand, um, Jennifer A. Lee and Kat J. Paws A, respectively, um, two fat women. Um, two fat um, female professors, you know, that they uh, proclaim themselves who are also feminists, um, basically um, setting up this article um, titling Stigma in Practice Barriers to Health for Fat Women. I want to focus on um, a section here and like um, the discrepancies when it comes to um, obese peoples and healthcare providers. And if we look into the section of anti-fat attitudes of healthcare providers, uh, for more information, you want to try and read the whole full article yourself. All you got to do is type in Sigma and practice barriers to for fat women, um, NIH, and then you'll be able to look at the article for free. Um, search on that on Google or Bing, click on the link, you'll be able to see free below as well. Or I'll provide you with the link on the episode also. So when it comes to that, and we have a section titled Anti-Fat Attitudes of Healthcare Providers, um, which they um, both <laughs> female professors, um, they basically state that anti-fat attitudes are found in both practitioners and students from physicians slash doctors, researchers, clinicians, um, psychotherapists, dietitians, and nurses, to, to students in the medical and dietetic fields. Um, these anti-fat attitudes are most likely products of the anti-fat attitudes in the larger society and are especially influenced by the neoliberal ideologies um, around individual responsibility. Healthcare providers perceive fat individuals as failed citizens and less likely to be compliant with healthcare instructions. And this is not coming from the words out of my mouth. This is coming from the article again. Um, suggests that as healthcare providers are likely to believe that fat patients are less concerned about health and less likely to be medically compliant with healthcare instructions, they may believe them to be less interested or worthy of preventative care. Cat experienced this dismissal by an endocrinologist she was forced to see during her immigration process. Um, I was instructed by immigration to complete a dissociative medical test and see an endocrinologist. I remember my appointment with the endocrinologist very well. There's only one in the town where I live, so getting to the booking took some work. On the night of my appointment, I arrived at this practice and spent some time chatting with his wife about my time in New Zealand. I remember her dismissing my chance of residency based on my BMI, and her incredulous response to my suggestion that being fat, even as fat as me, was not the worst thing 
or the unhealthiest thing in the world. When I entered her husband's exam room, he had already completed most of his evaluation form for immigration. He had me change to a gown that was too small and send the exam table while I waited for him to return. The paper crackled underneath my fat ass. He did not have a large BP cuff, so was unable to take my blood pressure. I think that's a big issue right there. He raised an eyebrow my assertion that was normally 110 to 70. That's a flaw on his part. He listened to my heart, checked my reflexes, and told me I could get dressed. Now scrolling down here. Excuse me. When I emerged fully clothed from the change room, he was filling out the blanks in his template form. He didn't ask me anything about my health history or health behaviors. He told me that my blood work was all well on normal limits and when last on I'll be a diabetic before I was 30. He dismissed me with a nod of his head and I left the office. The anti-fat attitudes help our providers yet provide another barrier for fat people and accessing appropriate health care. Negative attitudes about fat patients result in doctors choosing to spend less time with fat patients and often result in fewer preventative and diagnostic tests for fat patients. Doctors often report that these tests are more challenging with fat bodies. Finishing it all found that fat patients were less respected by physicians than non-fat patients and many doctors report that they prefer not to provide care for fat people. That's fucking disgusting in my opinion. Um, continuing what they said, the primary care physicians in the study form for Hebelin Zoo reported an inverse relationship between patient BMI and the PCP's patients, job satisfaction and willingness to assist the patient. Dietitians in Stone and Werner Research expressed feelings of frustrations with fat clients and this situation repeats itself to frustrating people coming and not losing any weight. This frustration, though, I had did my best. I came out of a deal. Now it's your turn. Similarly, general practitioners should report working with fat patients as professionally unrewarding due to the limited efficacy in weight management, um, based on some sources here. Um, Frank and Foster found physicians to perceive treatment of obesity as futile. In addition to personal bias, against fat patients healthcare providers may be less interested to be able to attend the fat patients due to inaccurate equipment and their lack of education around caring for fat patients whether due to improper equipment lack of education bias or interaction between the three it is clear providers also present a barrier to the health and well-being of fat individuals now if we go down to healthcare avoidance this is further compounded by the result of assessing healthcare by fat individuals for fat patients, delayed access healthcare services may be explained by a range of factors that can often be attributed to healthcare avoidance. These include avoidance of inadequate equipment such as gowns that are too small, exam tables slash areas that are too small, and blood pressure cuffs that do not fit. Avoidance of healthcare centers may also be contributed to passive advice around weight loss that was perceived as unhelpful to the individual or unsolicited, right? and experiences of providers that held anti-fat attitudes. Creel and Tillman reported that their participants experienced this bias through reluctantly provided care that that was troubling to share even some time later. It was difficult for them to relate to the hurtful comments, looks, and touches they had overheard or that has been spoken directly to them. Similarly, some may delay accessing health care because of a suspicion that regardless of their health needs, they will simply be diagnosed as fat and dismissed. Other health concerns may not be heard or attended to. That the physician would to be all their health concerns solely to their obesity. Jenny reflects on the expectations of fat people when interacting with health professionals. 
Jenny says, when I interact with medical professionals, I have very little fear of physical pain. I don't have nightmares about the time I got a cold stuck in my foot on a small island in Thailand. And I speak the language so the doctor didn't give me any pain because the fur I was allergic, I think. And that the core out without pain relief. I dread seeing new medical because I'm afraid they're going to judge me. Talk about obesity, not to me for my actual medical health condition. Give me the wrong treatment because I'm fat. Not listen to me or flat out be mean to me. I told Kat about this and she said we set the bar low. She's right. The bar is so low. Our expectations are so low. That pain is okay. Hey, you want to stick a scalpel in me without painkillers? No worries. As long as you don't belittle me because I'm fat or keep telling me to lose weight. I'm grateful when all I get is physical pain and I don't have to experience ridicule or misinformation or ignorance. The flip side of that is I have to put up with physical pain at all times, at times in my life, nor avoid the potential attitudes I might receive from a doctor. I lived in my body for 36 years, yet many medical professionals treat me as if I don't know anything about my own body or its sleep. Jenny reflects on this here. For full-fledged scientists type diabetes, fat, and fear, those of us who are fat are in a difficult position when we seek medical attention. We need expert advice. An example of this, when I saw a dietitian who's supposed to be an expert in diabetes and pregnancy and she focused entirely on weight loss. Weighing me announcing loudly, you have a BMI of 47. She didn't give me any information about blood sugar or the importance of testing blood sugar when exercising. In fact, she discouraged my exercise efforts and said that walking your dog isn't sufficient because it will stop and smell things to go to and then your heart rate will go down. I said I was trying to go to the gym twice a week and walk my dog other days. The final sentence was you need to work out five times a week for an hour each time. And there was also no acknowledgement from her that walking my dog was good for me in many ways. As an academic, spends a lot of time in computer teaching the fresh air to sense of my dog's sleep antics, the sense of releasing enjoyment I got from it. I told her I had an eating disorder background and had taken part in the moderate eating group that I was aiming for healthy eating but not a weight loss focus. She ignored this and went on to show me how much rice she'd be eating using the cups she had in the office. I told her I cooked from scratch a thigh curry about once a month. She had to use full cream or low fat coconut milk. I knew what the correct answer should be, but I may pat myself on the lie about this anymore. If you lie to them, aren't you possibly putting yourself and your health in danger? I told her I used full cream and coconut milk. She told me I had to stop doing that. I stopped answering back and just left. But the real damage started at the appointment. For several months when I would eat some, I knew she wouldn't approve of. I would think, fuck you, bitch. Clearly, I felt disempowered, but this thinking was not pleasant for me. This anger was toxic. I think it has also turned that for more than a year afterwards, I did not cook a Thai curry. I used to love bringing up the kefir thyme leaves from my garden, chopping corn there, juicing limes, the sensory pleasure of preparing a meal to share with my partner. So he destroyed that plus for me for more than a year by implying I was doing something wrong by eating something once a month that's okay for thin people to eat. It took me a few months to eventually send a complete letter to the hospital about the dietitian, and they wrote to me explaining that the dietitian supervisor had worked through my complaint with her. They offered me a different dietitian, but I declined as I no longer trusted them. I found my own. Health at every size. Trained dietitian through a website. And speaking of which, we're gonna go through there right now. So the health at every size method, right? So we have this section called a path to health, right? And where both of them basically say an alternative to the weight loss as health approach for fat people is the health at every size approach. Um, by Bacon and Applemore 2011 Hayes shifts the focus off weight And onto health for all body sizes Hayes rejects the use of weight size And BMIs as a measure of health And instead advocates a holistic approach to health Including but also going beyond nutrition And movement 
Hayes reconceptuates some commonly accepted notions of health and instead positions health on being a continuum at changing at different stages of an individual's life or health as being a resource and not a goal of living. Hayes' principles are also against healthism. Pursuing health is not a moral imperative nor an individual obligation, and health status should never be used to judge or press to determine the value of an individual as of 2016. The five principles of Hayes are weight inclusivity, health enhancement, respectful care, eating for well-being, and life-enhancing movement. The Hayes approach has been proven to be effective method for producing improved physical health outcomes for fat people independent of weight loss. Jenny writes about her relationship with Hayes six years after first discovering the Hayes principles. I find Hayes vital when interacting with the medical profession. It's a model I can take to the doctor helps me navigate how I want my treatment to look. Because of my frustration with how badly medical professionals have dealt with my body size in the past, I don't even want to discuss what I eat or what exercise I do, even my weight unless I have diabetes. I feel like we're in a sign of a doctor, so it's supposed to say you only have permission to discuss a specific health issue I bring to you, and you may not refer to my weight at all. Do thin people get up in the morning and think about the health principles or which they'll live their lives, or do they assess, as I do, why I could go to yoga where I have a work deadline and need to pick my daughter from her dad, as I have her that night? I'm sure other single parents who work a 55-hour week are with me there. My body feels better when I walk the dog, eat a salad, get a massage, and dance with my toddler. And I feel stale when I work a 14-hour day and accumulate me a deadline. Hayes helped me make an agreement with myself to do movement I enjoy around and constantly drop out of exercise programs I hated. It helped me to accept fluctuations in eating. And I do things that are good for me and about self-care. Perhaps I take Hayes for granted now because I took what I needed from it. But it did help change my relationship to eating, movement, self-care, and perfectionism. Hayes illuminates and presents an argument about the ways in which health is defined and prioritized in Western culture. Unlike the WHO's definition that presents the notion of complete health as a threshold in the to aspire to be healthy, Hayes is a more inclusive model that does not contradict, that does not um, delineate between who and who is not healthy. For example, it contradicts common perceptions that fat people are not allowed to be considered, quote, healthy. Hayes has embedded within his principles the notion that health should be not be defined by weight, or certainly not by weight alone. It acknowledges that there are correlates between certain diseases and fat people, but questions whether scientists and health professionals turn correlation into causation. It calls for redefinition of health to encompass physical and mental health, to focus on movement that's enjoyable and potentially relieve stress and on work-life balance. Hayes' principles suggest folks on holistic healthy behaviors, throwing away assumptions about fat people not exercising eating badly, and instead encourages all bodies to live as well as they can. Hayes advocates for striving in health no matter what size you are. In that sense, if applying a healthcare setting, it is possible for Hayes to improve health provider bias and fat patients' avoidance of medical professionals or health measures. In order for this to occur, Health providers would need to set aside their preconceived assumptions or even prejudices against about fat patients and instead seek out the strong evidence pointing to the ineffective of long-term weight loss in fat patients and stop prescribing weight loss as a solution to being fat or as a solution to health problems. Of health problems embrace haze, move the focus off weight and health behaviors, and pass metabolic measures of health rather than weight loss and give their patients a chance to focus on behaviors that improve their health if a fat person needs to balance that engage in movement, they enjoy reduced stress, engage in self-care activities, but still remains fat, then prescribing weight loss implies they should then eat an unbalanced starvation diet and embark on an exercise that isn't integrated or be able to maintain a life experience, a sense of failure, 
like being able to control whether it scales with your weight loss and eventually avoid healthcare providers when the weight regain happens. The evidence that prescribing weight loss does not work has been available for many years now. Health providers would then need to engage with the evidence that healthy behaviors are more effective than weight loss goals for these patients who are willing to seek health. Health-seeking behaviors are also possible for everyone and when in individual control and don't rely on whether the numbers on the scale change from week to week. In other words, weight loss is not possible for everyone to sustain and maintain weight loss are generally a failure for most people, but health-seeking behaviors are possible where the patient seeks to improve their health. Hayes also has the potential to change the way disordered treat eating is treating fat patients by bringing the focus on the healthy behaviors rather than weight. While the focus on weight and the assumption is that there's always good for a fat person to lose weight, that's true. No matter their technique of behaviors, disordered eating, weight cycling, anxiety, and patients high in health behaviors from fear of being shamed will continue. The increase in eating disorders in Western countries, especially amongst younger and younger girls, coincide with the increase in anti-obesity messages, anti-fat stigma, and focus on weight. For example, eating disorders leading to hospitalizations rose by 119% for children under 12 years of age in the period 1999-2006. There's now evidence that Hayes does work to decrease incidence of eating disorders and disordered eating, provide a more sustainable and realistic model for ongoing health goals, and improve the quality of life and well-being for fat people. However, at times, Hayes is still often presented, um, especially in shorthand, in reaction to the current dominant health paradigm, hence only in terms of exercise and eating, and in terms of a notion that we are aiming and should be aiming for health, quote, without really addressing what health is and not who is allowed to be considered healthy. In a neoliberal environment, assumptions are made that nutrition and affordable food is available for everyone, that people have time to enjoy, engage in enjoyable physical movement, and that the finances support their food and exercise choices and time needs. All these assumptions could pose potential problems and can sue fat, those fat individuals who are outside these privileged assumptions. When the Hayes model is discussed in public forums, there's often silly assumption that good students want to engage in health-seeking behaviors. Despite the principles directly saying that Ostas Hayes principles reject judgment about health and any discourse of individual responsibility around health in favor of the disclosure discourse of individualized health needs. When applied by a health profession, privileged assumptions are made at times in the expectations of how people seek health, both by the dominant health paradigm and the Hayes program, the underlying assumption that fat people are middle class, white, financially stable, and living in urban locations, and therefore able to access healthy food and lifestyles. In the Western culture ideals about health-seeking behaviors, there's barely a mention of barriers to health for people who live with chronic disease. Super fat people with fat, quote-unquote, aprons that reach their knees and have morbidity problems. The mentally ill, homeless, and abandoned in our culture, new models with postnatal depression, the segregation and institutionalization of our elderly population and the living conditions and shorter average lifespans within indigenous communities in many countries such as Canada. However, efforts have been made by Hayes Movement to modify the original means to be more inclusive and acknowledge that assessing healthy behaviors and high-quality health care is not possible for all people in the Western world. As Stacey Knight writes on the Associate for Size Diversity and Health, Hayes blog, being healthy takes time, effort, and money, and it's no one's business but your own whether you choose to engage in healthy behaviors. Our emphasis, this individual time, effort, and money is not often acknowledged by the dominant discourse about health. While Hayes' proponents construct the notion that weight is within an individual's control, it is. Health at times still presents within an individual's control, it is, Bacon states. 
Turn off and control to your body and you will settle at a healthy weight. And regardless of whether you do lose weight, your health and well-being will markedly improve. That's true. You'll find that biology is much more powerful than willpower, Baker 2010. Predict to talk about health and weight is something that medical professionals often do and it's problematic because we do not control our health. No matter how good, quote unquote, we are or how many health-seeking behaviors we engage in, it's why people say that's so unfair when someone who is able-biased gets cancer or has a heart attack because striving for health is also striving for control and aversion to death. It is hoped that by engaging to this on health-seeking behavior, usually eating in a disciplined manner and exercise regularly, you can avoid sickness and an early death. For example, Jenny was advised to increase her physical activity and more low GI foods in order to improve her blood sugar numbers. This is her experience and expected results. Diet and exercise have not had a desire to improve my blood sugar numbers. When I was diagnosed, I increased my level of exercise to a low pressure gym in a fat friendly manager. Yes, a slight miracle, I know. And changed my eating habits. Usually by eating more, I was eating more regularly, slightly more folks on low GI foods. But my blood sugar levels got worse despite this. So after discussing with the dietitian, we have identified that reducing stress and increasing the sleep are the targets. But what if it's out of my control? This no saying eating, eating well next time it can make you healthy where or not you're fat. Then it's wrong in some cases. I had to accept all, all over again that I don't control my body and its internal functions. 2013. In this case, Jenny was relieved that the Hayes scientists that she researched and located believed her account of eating and exercising rather than assuming Jenny was supporting inaccuracies of medical professors have accused her in the past. Even when it tries to come in as inclusive as possible, one mall can't necessarily encompass everyone's needs. We can ask questions such as whether it's Hayes for a non-Western context in countries that are war-torn or rife for poverty. Are we asking too much? Um... Of haze, perhaps in the model or movement that supports purposes for all bodies, the limitations and exclusion need to be acknowledged and discussed. While some are problematic, we suggest haze is very useful and that haze principles can do the most good as small health for medical professionals to use in their practice. When in application, those working with haze need to ensure that it doesn't fall into a health as in paradigm, that it's inclusive and accessible, that it fully considers structural health barriers in society that acknowledges in meaningful ways the intersections of other identities and prejudices and that a broader idea of what health is about is acknowledged properly. Well, and I'm going to lay off the article from there. Um, for more information in regards to this article, um, go to NIH.gov and type in Sigma and Practice, Barriers Health for Fat Women. And I'm going to stress to y'all again, you can never change the color of your skin. You can never change the organization that's inside you. You can never change learning disabilities or developmental disabilities that you have born in your brain. But again, you can damn well change the way that you end because it can always, always fluctuate. So, ladies and gentlemen, right? Now that we read through all the key information that we read through certain sources um, that you can easily look online and you can easily figure out. Um, now we get to the good stuff. Um, I want to try and frame this in a way, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, I know we're going to be definitely be referencing some fetish here and I'm not, I'm not saying I intend to do it, but I'm going to be very extremely blunt <laughs> When it comes to the whole obesity craze, you know, as, as some folks would mainly call it, um, especially like to the issue when it comes to your health, right? 
you know, y'all y'all already know about the whole situation with me working in the private practice and like all those things. You know, I, I fully understand that. You know what I'm saying? I I, I I fully understand that there is no one size fits all when it comes to weight loss, when it comes to like a certain body type that you're trying to aim. There's never a size, um, never never a size fits all when it comes to stuff like this. Right. So that's actually multiple. So I, I fully understand the whole body positivity things is basically means just to love who you are. Right. Love, basically love who you are Regardless of your skin And like how, 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 how much potential That can rise And make sure like the body can actually um, you know, Make it to its best potential As much as it can Regardless of what shape it is As long as you're fully in shape As long as you're, as long as you're active As long as you're healthy That's the most important part But it becomes a huge issue When you literally explode And when you literally explode All over the place to the point where your health is affected, your joints are affected, you deal with erectile dysfunction, you know, you deal with like a bunch of unnecessary, necessary stress and anxiety to have you lose your mind. You know what I'm saying? Potential heart attacks looming on the rise and having a higher chance of actually getting like diseases and sudden heart attacks leading the cardiac arrest when dealing with obesity, way more so than someone with like a normal weight. Or someone who's fully in shape and not drinking like a shit ton of alcohol or Red Bulls up in their system, right? So those things, you know, they gotta factor out. You, that those 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 things you gotta definitely factor out when it comes to that, right? But clearly we know we we know the the whole fit structs that you see up in the movies. Realistically, there's no one size fits all for like a healthy body there. Many type body types when it comes to dealing with that When giving you weight loss Which is what we know There are three types right You have like for, for the males You know there's three types And it can mess between a woman as well You know you got the ectomorph Where you know you have a long lean body type you know, Where you get you struggle to gain a shit ton of weight I know a friend who is of that type Of that body type um, they basically mainly lanky um, They have difficulty building muscle Gaining weight you know what I'm saying And even Snoop Dogg had, even had that body type as well You know The second one is um, the Mesomorph Right The Mesomorph I have that type of body type right there um, The Mesomorph body type are very well built With very defined muscles They have a high metabolism and increased response To muscle cells Where they have characteristics having like the large head And you know very low body back Bodybuilding potential You know Tussle test goes all the waist Athletic Whereas Ectomorph is basically very slim Very thin Right Very fast metabolism And the third we know is the endomorph Where you know you have individuals with that bite That tend to be a lot fatter and chubbier Having shorter limbs, wide hips Slim ankles and waist The bone structure blocky And a slower metabolism But they struggle basically getting the pounds off Right So we understand that now, for the women, in some cases, they have um, ten body types. You know that you could definitely, um, they could definitely have. You know, right? So you got ten body types to actually discuss when it comes to these things, right? So those are the following: you got the rectangle shape, right? You got the triangle shape. You know, get a little bit pudgy, a little bit overweight. You know, the spoon shape, right? You got like the spoon shape where you have like. Um, Basically thin Based on the top And then you got the curves On the bottom You got the hourglass shape 
which you know a lot of people are basically basically mainly mainly are very best familiar with. And then you got the top hourglass shape as well that's also best familiar also. Um and then we got the other five. We got the bottom hourglass as well because like most of the shape is like literally toward you know the curves and the hips. Inverted triangle, basically the round shape, the diamond shape. You know, mainly the diamond shape is usually um, take care of when most of the fat um, is basically shifted. You know, towards the abs. You now, when a woman goes through menopause, you know, see her metabolism slows down, much of the fat shifts towards the abdominal. That's where you see like the diamond shape. When you know, when you have like um, other women come by and living their life at that point, and then you got the athletic frame also, right? And also take note, you do have some high-level female weightlifters, like around 200, 300 pounds, that could lift a shit ton of weight. I, I, I tell you, they may look obese as appears, but they got like a shit ton of muscle inside. So I want to try and just um, be take note of those things as well. Now, when it comes to my case, right? I personally have um, overweight family. I definitely do. I have like immediate family members that are overweight. Myself, my sister has over like um, uh, my sister. I know is definitely overweight. I'm a little bit overweight, basically closer to the shape range, but I'm not where I fully need to be. Uh, my sister, I know she's a bit overweight herself. My mom's a bit overweight, more so of like the diamond type. You know, having two pregnancies and having gastric bypass surgery. You know, can definitely do it to her. My dad is a little bit of a way mainly towards like the stomach, but other than that, everything is basically fine on our end. Like none of us are obese because we know we take our health very seriously. And due to the fact that he's an internal medicine physician, he definitely takes himself extremely seriously, right? So I want to try and bear with him. I have a best friend who is um, definitely obese and we still hang out. We still talk from time to time. And he comes from a very obese family as well. Um, my friend's parents, you know, both of them are very obese. Um, one of them, um, his mom, underwent gastric bypass surgery and now is dealing with like the diamond shape. And, you know, she's keeping herself, um, and she's doing doing everything she can to make sure she keep herself healthy as well. Um, my um, her his her, her husband, you know has a hard time like walking especially with like his obese frame and everything so much so he's having like a lot he's having like a huge he's like, literally having like a hard time moving at times basically moving around and actually being active and uh, my friend's sister i'm also close friends with her as well as well as um her her husband you know and the kids you know uh, obviously she's obese also um her husband's definitely obese as well, but you know, they actually have um, two kids together. Um, they're definitely fine, they're doing okay. I have no issue with them whatsoever, um, for what I know. And if I if I knew people who are overweight or obese, you know what I'm saying? If I was dating them, I would never, ever, 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 ever demean them literally due to their weight or uh, wherever they may be. Now, I would encourage them actually trying to lose some weight, definitely would, you know what I'm saying. I'm about to say, hey, you know, let's go on some adventures, you know, let's go have some fun. We'll just like go play around, like lift some weights together, go ride some bikes together and we'll have some fun. Not even thinking about the whole look thing or not, but let's get some endorphins pumping in the system. You know, if you know what I mean. Right. But I would never literally try below someone due to their weight up in the public. You know what I mean? Never would. If I deeply have age now, 
my preference, you know, basically when it comes to like long-term dating and like a long-term commitment with a serious relationship, I definitely would like to have someone literally be in shape. You know, have a partner literally being shaped so that I could try to literally carry them, have them carry on top of my back the whole nine yards, right? And have someone literally be obese and commit to them for a while. You know, that's like really a strong purpose of mine. Not to disrespect any like the fat friends or any of the fat women that I've dated at all. But that's one of my strong purposes there, not to insult them whatsoever. Right? So that's one of my purposes to deal with. Now I will say what I will definitely say, you know, as we age, you know, weight, weight, weight can always shift. The pounds can always shift, especially when a woman deals with pregnancy. Like the the, the weight that she deals with, her weight will always change. You know what I'm saying? And even if she loses the majority of the weight, all she's gonna have is some stretch marks you know, from having that baby. Her weight will fluctuate from time to time. You know what I'm saying? Especially when she's a mom and she has multiple kids. Right? So I want so I want you to leave that out there. Again. Right? You can never ever change the color of your skin. You can never ever, ever change the organs that are inside you. But you can damn well. You can damn well change the weight that what you have. You can damn well it's damn well change your appearance. You know what I mean? You can damn well change your weight. Even though we can't change your learning disability, you can damn well change your weight. Um, now, with that being said, I know a lot of you know the little weight thing with the whole with the whole weight scenario that actually came um, in this, right? And to those that you know they want to live their lives and you know they want to pick like somebody that's like heavy than them and y'all living good together. Or you actually pick someone that's actually willing to work with you, that's willing to accept you as you are with literally no harm and no foul. You know what I'm saying? And you're not, you're not blaming. I don't. Uh, you're not blaming anyone else or anyone, um, anybody who's of the same weight as you, right? That's actually trying to change your life for the better, and you actually support them on that. You know, hats off to y'all. I salute y'all. You know what I'm saying? You're definitely on the top of my list. You know, there's no issues, no harm, no foul. As long as you're living your life, as long as you feel like you're heavy, it's the way you're at, and you feel like you want to try and stay that way. You know, it's your right, it's your life. It's not my job to dictate, like, how how, how you should live and how you should not live, because, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm going to get to the whole doctor's, um, I'm definitely going to get to the whole doctor's situation in a bit. Um, when it comes to that, um, literally down the line, um, later on, later on in this section here. But if you want to live your life and actually try and go with your own gut, you got every right to do it, right? However, if you do feel uncomfortable, right, whether it's like male or female, right, if you, if you do feel uncomfortable with the weight that you're at, and you feel like you want to make a change, and you just feel super depressed, and you literally are just trying to lose your mind, I definitely definitely would advise you I advise you to um, literally consider um, trying to start trying to move around for a bit and actually get yourself more in motion right if you're able body you know if you're able to move probably from like top down from the neck down you should be able to exercise as well it doesn't mean you have to be doing intense exercise right away because that can definitely be hard to do like right off the rip but you literally take very small steps in order to get to the goal that you have because 
obviously the process um it's not easy it could be mentally draining at times but once you give yourself the courage to build and have some incentive to try and do new things that you hadn't done before and you get those endorphins you get the thrill you ain't gotta worry about weight loss at that point it's like hey you got you got the addiction you want to try and have some more fun with it and you keep going and going and going and going and going and going and it just don't stop you do things so much you try to intense you try to intensify your exercise so much that the moment you look in the mirror you tend to forget who you really you, you tend to forget like what happened with you and you end up turning to Frankenstein you know just what had just like what happened with me you know when I actually just like went really full like all out and like the heavy ass lifting with like all the plates and everything around 24 2015 and I literally got hooked on that about two three four times a week you know what I'm saying before I knew it all of a sudden I'm literally turning to Frankenstein I have no idea where my body is right now which is still insane you know what I mean? So I understand a lot of folks are still struggling, you know, to try and put the weight off and everything and trying to go with the advice of the doctors um, to try and handle some things in regards to that, right? But weight loss definitely can be done, whether it's like the old school way of actually losing weight or it's definitely the Hayes way, as you know, the professors um, from the last article I put it out, it can definitely be done, right? But it's not being an excuse for you to actually like pile up a shit ton of pounds without you actually making like without you making the effort, right? To get yourself in motion, right? Because it's inexcusable. If you if you're able to walk, if you're able bodied, now if you're paralyzed from the neck down, or if you have MS, or if you have like Crohn's disease where you're having trouble trying to move the nerve pain or everything like that, that's a whole like it's a whole nother different story, right? That's fully understandable. It's just very special exception to the rule in regards to that because you're dealing with a debilitating condition, right? You know what I'm saying? But if you're able-bodied, if you're able to walk, you should be definitely able to exercise. By you walking, you're already exercising right now, right? So all you just have to do is try to slowly uh, make your, so slowly, gradually up your intensity day by day, right? If you're... <laughs> If you're overweight and you're making an effort to actually go to the gym or go to the weight room, right? Whether it's by doing yoga, whether it's like bicycling, right? Whether it's you being on the treadmill, trying to walk and slowly trying to intensify um, your activity literally every every single day. You know what I'm saying? I commend you guys for that. I commend overweight dudes for making an effort to actually go lift and go, go to the gym and put an effort to actually improve on their health primarily. I commend overweight women. I commend fat women for making an effort to actually um, prioritize their health, make an effort to try and actually exercise more and get more active, right? Doing their best to slowly intensify their workout. And if they still struggle when it comes to their weight gain and weight loss, whatever it may be, you know, I would fully suggest you actually get a professional trainer, certified um, personal trainer that can help fit your needs, that actually has a has, um, certified degree. And you know, in physiology or like PT work, right? So they know all the components of the body so that they'll be able to help you get to the goals that you need to be without no harm or foul. You know what I'm saying? I wish those professors a lot of luck when it comes to their weight loss journey. I'm happy that they had that they able to make it big, whether it's Hayes, you know, whether it's the old school way, you know. Get a PT to help 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 you intensify your workout, make sure actually things actually improve according to plan. Right? 
I commend y'all for that. I commend y'all for literally making the effort to work out every day and try to make effort to run or walk one, two miles a day. Walk three, four miles a day. You know what I'm saying? Try to make effort to actually like keep themselves in motion. It, it, it literally, clearly, literally has to, he literally has to put a smile on my face. So much so to a point where I wouldn't even forget it. But as, as much as, you know, as much as I'm happy of people making the effort to actually trying to get their weight down and are trying to be healthier when it comes to this so they can try to escape that obesity curse, you know, I have a huge, huge, huge problem of people who are obese or overweight that want to drag other people down that want to try to change their lives or want to try to lose weight for the better. Um, just because they want to try and elevate themselves. They don't want to try and make their lives better. They want to try and prolong their life. You know. We're going to get to that. One more thing before I move on. Right. I'm very aware. I've read some of the complaints that the office had. When it came with dealing with doctors. They actually tried to treat them right. And make sure they get like the proper diagnosis. And you know, I've been hearing some cases uh, that some doctors have misdiagnosed patients um, that are overweight or obese in regards to that. I've read stories in regards to it. <laughs> and to those, to the obese and the overweight um, who have experienced this type of situation before and have experienced it many times, what I would try to advise to you is to do your thorough research on a doctor. And have make sure you actually thoroughly get to know that doctor before you actually try to schedule an appointment with him to see what he does and whether or not he does treat overweight people very well. And he has like a basically like um he has basically like blood cuffs that actually fit your arm, you know, so that he'll be able to actually properly measure your blood pressure, your intake. They'll be able to properly triage you um the whole nine yards, right? You want to make sure you have a doctor that is very thorough. And his expertise and he is very thorough um in proper diagnosis he listens to you thoroughly he listens to your issues regardless of like how much experience he has if he is a medical doctor even if he could be experienced before and he's seen all this stuff many times before it is still not a fully black and white seat because every person is different right <laughs> so with that i truly um feel for the ones you know that have um uh, that basically have over like, have like some weight issues or overweight or obese now, double these types of, um, you know, mistreatment of doctors and them actually uh, mismanaging um, their, um, or actually misdiagnosing them on their conditions, you know, misappropriating them with medicine. I, I truly feel for those people. And if you experience something like that, you have to go some immediately. Like that that doctor in that case is basically guards to you. He's just not the right fit. <laughs> you want to make sure that you get a doctor. Who's more than willing to listen to you and your issues so that you'll be able to have a back and forth communication on what needs to be done when it comes to improving your health, right? And not only that, you have to make sure that you have input as well as he does. And that's again the right dietitian. Like that's like a bad best fit for you. A dietitian, a nutritionist, as well as involving your personal trainer. Um, what are you doing that? Health of baby size method, or are you doing the old school way? Right? In order to actually help improve your quality of life and actually help improve um, your endorphins, the whole nine yards, to make sure that you stay healthy and prolong your life. So, God forbid something happens when it comes to joint pain or any muscle pain that you have while dealing with the OLBC issue, 
you have a whole team around that that's able to guide you like through all the craziness no make sure you have you know your requested dot that you pick if you're able to make him your pcp good you know if you're able to have him firm to see and offer your um arthroscopic surgeon you know when it comes with bones and the whole nine yards have more as a team with um, your pt specialist as well as your personal trainer to make sure you guys are all on the same page all right if either not one of them or one one of your team is not on the same page you're gonna have to cut that person loose and move on to the next all right Unfortunately, there are really some doctors that treat, you know, pay certain patients like shit, and that's a shame, you know. In that case, regards, fuck them, you know. You know, they're literally a bunch of miserable people on the inside. You know what I'm saying? There's others actually do treat them well, right? You know, some like do misdiagnose them, just gotta let them be, gotta cut them off and go some like the wind, you know. But you know, given my personal experience working in a private practice, you know, given my situation. No, we do everything that we possibly can to make sure everyone is treated equally and make sure they get the proper care, right? So I just want to try and literally put that out there to you guys just so that you're full, fully aware of what's really going on and make sure you guys proper researching, make sure your doctor also does the proper research to make sure he gives you like the best possible outcome for you, all right? Now, we moving on. So ladies and gentlemen, right, now that we read through all the key information and we read through certain sources um, that you can easily look online and you can easily figure out, um, now we get to the good stuff. Um, I want to try and frame this in a way, you know what I'm saying, because, you know, I know we're going to be definitely be referencing fetish here, and I'm not, I'm not saying I intend to do it, but... I'm going to be very extremely blunt when it comes to the whole obesity craze, you know, as, as some folks would mainly call it, um, especially like to the issue when it comes to your health, right? You know, you already know about the whole situation with me working in the private practice and like all those things, you know, I fully understand that, you know what I'm saying? I, 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 I fully understand that there is no one size fits all when it comes to weight loss when it comes to like a certain body type that you're trying to aim there's never a size um bottom never never a size fits all when it comes to stuff like this right so that's actually multiple so i, I fully understand the whole body positivity things is basically means just to love who you are right love basically love who you are in regards to your skin and like how 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 much potential that can rise and make sure like the body can actually um no make it to its best potential as much as it can regardless of what shape it is as long as you're fully in shape as long as you're as long as you're active as long as you're healthy that's the most important part but it becomes a huge issue 
when you literally explode in a way and you literally explode all over the place to the point where your health is affected, your joints are affected, you deal with erectile dysfunction, you know, you deal with like a bunch of unnecessary, necessary stress and anxiety to have you lose your mind, you know what I'm saying? Potential heart attacks looming on the rise and having a higher chance of actually getting like diseases and sudden heart attacks and the cardiac arrest when dealing with obesity way more so than someone with like a normal weight or someone who's fully in shape and not drinking like a shit ton of alcohol or red bulls up in their system right so those things you know they gotta factor out yeah, that, those, those those things you gotta that definitely factor out when it comes to that right but clearly we know we, we know the, the whole fit structs that you see up in the movies Realistically, there's no one size fits all for like a healthy body. There are many type body types when it comes to dealing with that. When giving you weight loss, which is what we know, there are three types, right? You have like for made for the males, you know, there's three types, and it can mess between a woman as well. You know, you got the ectomorph, where you know you have a long, lean body type, you know, where you get you struggle to gain a shit ton of weight. I know a friend who is of that type, of that body type. Um, they basically mainly lanky. Um, they have difficulty building muscle, gaining weight. You know what I'm saying? And even Snoop Dogg had, even had that body type as well. You know. The second one is um, the mesomorph, right? The mesomorph. I have that type of body type right there. Um, the mesomorph body type are very well built with very defined muscles. They have a high metabolism and increased response of muscle cells. Where they have characteristics having like the large head and you know. Very low body fat, bodybuilding potential, you know. Tussorn test, low shoulder waist, athletic. Whereas, ectomorph is basically very slim, very thin, right? Very fast metabolism. And the third we know is the endomorph, where you know you have individuals with that body type tend to be a lot fatter and chubbier, having shorter limbs, wide hips, slim ankles and waist, the bone structure blocky. And a slower metabolism But they struggle basically getting the pounds off Right So we understand that Now for the women in some cases They have um, 10 Body types You know that you could definitely um, They could definitely have You know right So you got 10 body types To actually discuss when it comes to these things Right So those are the following You got the rectangle shape Right you got the triangle shape, you know, get a little bit pudgy, a little bit overweight, you know. The spoon shape, right? You got like the spoon shape where you have like um, basically thin, basically on the top, and then you got the curves on the bottom. You got the hourglass shape, which, you know, a lot of people are basically basically mainly, mainly are best familiar with. And then you got the top hourglass shape as well that's also best familiar, also. Um, and then we got the other five. We got the bottom hourglass as well because, like, most of the shape is, like, literally toward, you know, the curves and the hips. Inverted triangle. Basically, the round shape. The diamond shape. You know, mainly the diamond shape is usually um, take care of when most of the fat um, is basically shifted, you know, towards the abs. You know, when a woman goes through menopause, you know, so her metabolism slows down. Much of the fat shifts towards the abdominal. That's where you see, like, the diamond shape, when, you know, where you have, like, a... Um, other women come by and live their life at that point, and then you got the athletic frame also, right? And also take note, you do have some high-level female weightlifters, like around 200, 300 pounds, that could 
lift a shit ton of weight. I, I, I tell you, they may look obese as appears, but they got like a shit ton of muscle inside. So I want to try and just um, be take note of those things as well. Now, when it comes to my case, right? I personally have um, overweight family. I definitely do. I have like immediate family members that are overweight. Myself, my sister has over like um, uh, my sister I know is definitely overweight. I'm a little bit overweight, basically closer to the shape range, but I'm not where I fully need to be. Uh, my sister I know she's a bit overweight herself. My mom's a bit overweight, more so of like the diamond type, you know. Having two pregnancies and having gastric bypass surgery, you know, can definitely do it to her. My dad is a little bit overweight, mainly towards like the stomach. But other than that, everything is basically fine on our end. Like none of us are obese because we know we take our health very seriously. And due to the fact that he's an internal medicine physician, he definitely takes his health extremely seriously. Right. So I want to try and bear with him. I have a best friend. Who is um, definitely obese And we still hang out We still talk from time to time And he comes from a very obese family as well um, My friend's parents you know, Both of them are very obese um, One of them, um, his mom Underwent gastric bypass surgery And now is dealing with like the diamond shape You know, she's keeping herself um, And she's doing doing everything she can To make sure she keeps herself healthy as well um, my, uh, her, his, her, her husband, you know has a hard time like walking especially with like his obese frame and everything so much so he's having like a lot he's having like a huge he's like, literally having like a hard time moving at times basically moving around and actually being active and uh, my friend's sister i'm also close friends with her as well as well as um her her husband you know and the kids you know uh, obviously she's obese also um her husband's definitely obese as well, but you know, they actually have um, two kids together. Um, they're definitely fine, they're doing okay. I have no issue with them whatsoever, um, for what I know. And if I if I knew people who are overweight or obese, you know what I'm saying? If I was dating them, I would never, ever, 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 ever demean them literally due to their weight or uh, wherever they may be. Now, I would encourage them actually trying to lose some weight, definitely would, you know what I'm saying. I best say, hey, you know, let's go on some adventures, you know, let's go have some fun. We'll just like go play around, like lift some weights together, go ride some bikes together and we'll have some fun. Not even thinking about the whole look thing or not, but let's get some endorphins pumping in the system. You know, if you know what I mean. Right. But I would never literally try to belittle someone due to their weight up in the public. You know what I mean? Never would. If I deeply have age now, my preference, you know. Basically, when it comes to like long-term dating and like a long-term commitment with a serious relationship, I definitely would like to have someone literally be in shape. You know, have a partner literally be in shape so that I could try to literally carry them, have them carry on top of my back the whole nine yards, right, and have someone literally be obese and commit to them for a while. You know, that's like really a strong preface of mine. Not to disrespect any like the fat friends or any of the fat women that I've dated at all, but that's one of my strong purposes there, not to insult them whatsoever. Right, so that's one of my purposes to deal with. Now, I will say what I will definitely say, you know, as we age, you know, weight, weight, weight can always shift. The pounds can always shift, especially when a woman deals with pregnancy. Like the the, the weight that she deals with, her weight will always change. You know what I'm saying? 
And even if she loses the majority of the weight, all she's going to have is some stretch marks from having that baby. But weight will fluctuate from time to time. You know what I'm saying? Especially when she's a mom and she has multiple kids. Right? So I want, so I want you to leave that out there. Again. Right? You can never, ever change the color of your skin. You can never, ever, ever change the organs that are inside you. But you can damn well. You can damn well change the weight that what you have. You can damn well, damn well change your appearance. You know what I mean? You can damn well change your weight. Even though you can't change your learning disability, you can damn well change your weight. Um, now, with that being said, I know a lot of you know, the little weight thing. With the whole, with the whole waste scenario that actually came um, in this, right? And to those that you know they want to live their lives, and you know they want to pick like somebody that's like heavy than them, and y'all living good together, or you actually pick someone that's actually willing to work with you, that's willing to accept you as you are, with literally no harm and no foul. You know what I'm saying? And you're not, you're not blaming, I don't, uh, you're not blaming anyone else or anyone. Um, Anybody who's of the same weight as you, right? That's actually trying to change your life for the better and you actually support them on that, you know? Hats off to y'all. I salute y'all. You know what I'm saying? You're definitely on the top of my list. You know, there's no issues, no harm, no foul as long as you're living your life. As long as you feel like you're heavy, it's the way you're at and you feel like you want to try and stay that way, you know? It's your right, it's your life. It's not my job to dictate like how, how how you should live and how you should not live because you know what I'm saying I'm, I'm gonna get to the whole doctor's um, I'm definitely gonna get to the whole doctor situation in a bit um, when it comes to that I'm um, literally down the line um, later on later on in this section here but if you want to live your life and actually try and go with your own gut you got every right to do it right however if you do feel uncomfortable right whether it's like male or female Right, if you do feel uncomfortable with the weight that you're at, and you feel like you want to make a change, and you just feel super depressed, and you literally are just trying to lose your mind, I definitely, definitely would advise you. I advise you to um, literally consider um, trying to start trying to move around for a bit and actually get yourself more in motion. Right, if you're able-bodied. You know, if you're able to move probably from like top down from the neck down, you should be able to exercise as well. It doesn't mean you have to be doing intense exercise right away because that can definitely be hard to do like right off the rip. But you literally take very small steps in order to get to the goal that you have because obviously the process, um, it's not easy. It could be mentally draining at times. But once you give yourself the courage to build and have some incentive to try and do new things that you hadn't done before and get those endorphins and get the thrill you ain't gotta worry about weight loss at that point it's like hey you got you got the addiction you want to try and have some more fun with it and you keep going and going and going and going and going and going and it just don't stop you do things so much you try to intense you try to intensify your exercise so much like the moment you look in the mirror, you tend to forget who you really, you, you tend to forget like what happened with you and you end up turning to Frankenstein, you know, just what just like what happened with me, you know, when I actually just like went really full, like all out and like the heavy ass lifting with like all the plates and everything around 24, 2015, and I literally got hooked on that about two, three, four times a week, 
You know what I'm saying? Before I knew it, all of a sudden, I'm literally turning to Frankenstein. I have no idea where my body is right now, which is still insane. You know what I mean? So I understand a lot of folks are still struggling, you know, to try and put the weight off and everything and trying to go with the advice of the doctors um, to try and handle some things in regards to that, right? But weight loss definitely can be done, whether it's like the old school way of actually losing weight or it's definitely the Hayes way, as you know, the professors um, from the last all I put it out. It can definitely be done, right? But it's not being an excuse for you to actually like pile up a shit ton of pounds without you actually making like without you making the effort, right? To get yourself in motion, right? Because it's inexcusable if you if you're able to walk, if you're able bodied. Now, if you're paralyzed from the neck down, or if you have MS, or if you have like Crohn's disease where you're having trouble trying to move the nerve pain or everything like that, that's a whole like it's a whole another different story, right? That's fully understandable. It's a very special exception to the rule in regards to that because you're dealing with a debilitating condition, right? You know what I'm saying? But if you're able-bodied, if you're able to walk, you should be definitely able to exercise. By you walking, you're already exercising right now, right? So all you just have to do is try to slowly uh, make your, so slowly, gradually up your intensity day by day, right? If you're... <laughs> If you're overweight and you're making an effort to actually go to the gym or go to the weight room, right? Whether it's by doing yoga, whether it's like bicycling, right? Whether it's you being on the treadmill, trying to walk and slowly trying to intensify um, your activity literally every every single day. You know what I'm saying? I commend you guys for that. I commend overweight dudes for making an effort to actually go lift and go, go to the gym and put an effort to actually improve on their health primarily. I commend overweight women. I commend fat women for making an effort to actually um, prioritize their health, make an effort to try and actually exercise more and get more active, right? Doing their best to slowly intensify their workout. And if they still struggle when it comes to their weight gain and weight loss, whatever it may be, you know, I would fully suggest you actually get a professional trainer, certified um, personal trainer that can help fit your needs, that actually has a has, um, certified degree. And you know, in physiology or like PT work, right? So they know all the components of the body so that they'll be able to help you get to the goals that you need to be without no harm or foul. You know what I'm saying? I wish those professors a lot of luck when it comes to their weight loss journey. I'm happy that they had that they're able to make it big, whether it's haze, you know, whether it's the old school way, you know. Get a PT to help 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 you intensify your workout, make sure actually things actually improve according to plan. Right? I commend y'all for that. I commend y'all for literally making the effort to work out every day and try to make effort to run or walk one, two miles a day. Walk three, four miles a day. You know what I'm saying? Try to make effort to actually like keep themselves in motion. It, it, it literally, clearly, literally has to, he literally has to put a smile in my face. So much so to a point where I wouldn't even forget it. But as, as much as, you know, as much as I'm happy of people making the effort to actually trying to get their weight down and are trying to be healthier when it comes to this so they can try to escape that obesity curse, you know, I have a huge, huge, huge problem of people who are obese or overweight that want to drag other people down that want to try to change their lives or want to try to lose weight for the better. 
um, just because they want to try and elevate themselves. They don't want to try and make their lives better. They want to try and prolong their life. You know, we're going to get to that. One more thing before I move on, right? I'm very aware. I've read some of the complaints that the office had when it came with dealing with doctors. They actually tried to treat them right and make sure they get like the proper diagnosis. And, you know, I've been hearing some cases uh, that some doctors have misdiagnosed patients um, that are overweight or obese in regards to that. I've read stories in regards to it. <laughs> and to those. To the obese and the overweight um, Who have Experienced this type of situation Before and have experienced it many times What I would try to Advise to you is to do Your thorough research on a doctor And have make sure you actually thoroughly Get to know that doctor before you actually Try to schedule an appointment with him To see what he does and Whether or not he does treat overweight people very well And he has like a Basically like um he has basically like blood cuffs that actually fit your arm, you know, so that he'll be able to actually properly measure your blood pressure, your intake. They'll be able to properly triage you um, the whole nine yards, right? You want to make sure you have a doctor that is very thorough in his expertise, and he is very thorough um, in proper diagnosis. He listens to you thoroughly. He listens to your issues, regardless of like how much experience he has. If he is a medical doctor, even if he could be experienced before and he's seen all this stuff many times before, it is still not a fully black and white seat because every person is different, right? <laughs> so with that, I truly um, feel for the ones you know that have um, uh, that basically have over, like, have like some weight issues, are overweight or obese. They'll double these types of um, you know mistreatment of doctors and them actually uh, mismanaging um, their. Um, or actually misdiagnosing them on their conditions, you know, misappropriating them with medicine. I, I truly feel for those people. And if you experience something like that, you have to go some immediately. Like that that doctor in, the, in that case is basically guards to you. He's just not the right fit. <laughs> you want to make sure that you get a doctor who's more than willing to listen to you and your issues so that you'll be able to have a back and forth communication on what needs to be done when it comes to improving your health, right? And not only that, you have to make sure that you have input as well as he does and that's again the right dietitian like that's like a bad best fit for you a dietitian a nutritionist as well as involving your personal trainer on um, what are you doing that health and baby size method or are you doing the old school way right in order to actually help improve your quality of life and actually help improve um your endorphins a whole nine yards to make sure that you stay healthy and prolong your life so God forbid something happens when it comes to joint pain or any muscle pain that you have while dealing with the LBC issue, you have a whole team around that that's able to guide you like through all the craziness. No. Make sure you have, you know, your requested doctor that you pick. If you're able to make him your PCP good, you know, if you're able to have him firm to see an off your um arthroscopic surgeon, you know, when it comes to bones and the whole nine yards. Have him work as a team with um, your PT specialist. As well as your personal trainer To make sure you guys are all on the same page Alright If either not one of them Or one One of your team is not on the same page You're gonna have to cut that person loose And move on to the next Alright Unfortunately there are really some doctors that treat You know certain patients like shit And that's a shame You know In that case regards Fuck them You know you know, They're literally a bunch of miserable people on the inside you know what I'm saying? There's others actually do treat them well, right? 
You know, some night do misdiagnose him. You just gotta let him be. You gotta cut him off and go some other wind. You know, but you know, given my personal experience working in a private practice, you know, given my situation, you know, we do everything that we possibly can to make sure everyone is treated equally, and make sure they get the proper care, right? So I just want to try and literally put that out there to you guys, just so that you're full, fully aware of what's really going on, and make sure you guys proper researching. Make sure your doctor also does the proper research. Make sure. He gives you like the best possible outcome for you. All right. Now we moving on. 